I'm Anthony Stalter. Welcome to 4 for 4 Fantasy Football's Most Accurate Podcast. As always, I'm joined by John Paulson. And uh, John, you just made the remark. It, it, it's the all-cold version of 444.com's the most uh, uh, accurate podcast because you and I are both dealing with, with the elements right now. Yeah, I wonder how many listeners are out there uh, dealing with the sore throat, uh, stuffiness, runny nose. Uh, I'm starting to feel better, though. What about you? Are you getting any better? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I had the sore throat a couple of days ago. Congestion was really bad yesterday, but starting to starting to rebound. So hopefully, going into the new year, we'll feel we'll feel one hundred percent. Yeah, let's, uh, you might want to listen to this at uh, one one point one speed or something to make it uh, maybe sound our voices sound a little bit higher. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> hey, it was just announced that John finished six out of one hundred and twenty five tracked experts in fantasy pros accuracy competition, giving John. Six top six finishes in the last seven years. Congrats, JP. That's that's phenomenal. Thank you. I was hoping for top five. I was in the fifth position uh, heading into the last week, but uh, the guy in sixth had uh, a really good week and jumped up to third, so that knocked me down a spot. Um, it's a lot nicer to say top five finishes, but uh, well, I'll take six top six because that's fun to say six top six. No kidding. And when there's 125 people that tracked experts at Fantasy Pros, whether it's five or six, we're splitting hairs at that point. That's quite an accomplishment. That's awesome. Thank you, man. I, 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 that's the, kind of the solace I take by dropping out of the top five. I, there's probably 120 guys that would love to swap places with me. So, or no doubt, guys yeah. and gal, guys and gals, because there's lots of uh, uh, female uh, uh, fantasy analysts out there as well. So, um, I'm I'm happy to to be where I'm at and uh, grateful to four for four for giving me the platform to do what I do. Well said. Tell us a little bit about the music, and then we'll dive into some of the challenges that fantasy owners face in Week 17. Yeah, I was uh, doing a little bit of research on this band. It's called Bros, B-R-O-S. They're all capital letters. And I, I was thinking as I was listening to the song, which is uh, Tell Me, it's off their, uh, it's the opening track off their 2016 album, Volume 1, that they sound a lot like the Sheepdogs. And then I found out that they are actually uh, two members of the Sheepdogs. Uh, we've featured a couple of Sheepdogs tracks on the uh, podcast over the last year or so and uh, uh, this is another one that uh, is, is a real strong track I think you'll like it Anthony very cool all right so the vast majority of leagues finished their seasons last week but for those that are still playing how do you typically approach week 17 John and and how do you how do you view the week and some of the challenges that that are presented uh, as teams are either motivated or unmotivated to play in the final final game yeah we're going to talk about uh, Josh Moore's article on the website, uh, who's motivated. That's really a good place to start because you typically teams fall into three categories. One is, uh, a playoff team still fighting for a spot or fighting for a buy or, or whatever. They're very motivated to win their game. Uh, you have a playoff team, uh, who is locked into a spot and, they're, they have no motivation to play their, their starters more than a quarter or so if they play at all. Uh, they are typically just trying to get the rest uh, heading into the playoffs. And then there's the non-playoff team uh, who you don't know what their motivations are in terms of playing their starters and how, how long they'll play the starters, especially their injured starters, because uh, a lot of times a team has a guy that's banged up, uh, a veteran who usually would play in a situation like this, there's nothing to play for. They typically uh, will rest that player. So it, if you're if you're playing DFS or if you're playing uh, your Week 17 championship game, you really have to be aware of the playoff scenarios and, and which teams are actually playing for something. Well, speaking of that, Josh, you mentioned Josh Moore's article at 444.com, and it's kind of a handy guide. If if you go to the article, he 
he goes into detail, matchup by matchup, and talks about the teams that are uh, motivated to play on Sunday, and then those that are completely out of it and you know might be resting some starters or kind of have shut down certain players. So we'll go through each matchup here, John. The Lions and Packers are both highly motivated. Now, the winner of the game wins the NFC North. If Washington beats the Giants early in the week, uh, early in the day, excuse me, that means that the Lions and pa- whoever the loser is of the Lions and Packers game won't be in it. If Washington loses, then both the Lions and Packers are in, but you're still going to get two motivated teams because they're jockeying for the uh, the division the division crown. Yeah, regardless of what Washington does, both teams are going to play to win, so you can expect their typical playing time and 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 all that. Um, I think you would expect Washington to win, uh, given their matchup with the Giants, who are not motivated. So we could just skip the next one here. We, we're expecting Washington to play hard uh, and play to win because they need, they need to win to get to the playoffs. So you want to skip to number three? Yeah, sure. And this is the Falcons and the Saints. The Saints are out of it. They have nothing to play for. But the Falcons have an opportunity to secure the number two seed with a victory. Um, if, if Seattle loses to San Francisco, then Atlanta can still secure that spot. But I don't, I don't foresee the Seahawks losing to the 49ers. So you got a very motivated Falcons team, John. Yeah, and the Saints, I think, will try to try to knock off the division rival. Uh, anytime you get a division rival game uh, where there's something at stake for the team that's still in it, the other one, other team tends to find some motivation to try to stop them from getting that by and hurt their playoff chances and all that. So I think the Saints will come out and try to play. So it should be a hotly contested game. And you can kind of apply it to this to this next matchup. The Kansas City Chiefs take on the San Diego Chargers, two AFC West rivals. Now the Chiefs are alive for the AFC West crown. And they they will finish no well actually the Dolphins also have an opportunity to to swap places with the Chiefs uh, if the Chiefs lose that game to San Diego so Kansas City's got a lot at stake and then for San Diego like we just discussed with New Orleans they have an opportunity to to force their division rivals to potentially play in Wild Card Weekend yeah you're looking for a, a full game out of the Chiefs players they're they're definitely looking for that bye. We just talked about the Seahawks and the Falcons. The, they're, those two teams are fighting for the number two seed, and they're going to be at San Francisco. It's a late game on Sunday. Most of these games seem to be at 4 p.m., which is kind of helpful because everybody's, you know, there won't be a game uh, where it's decided at 1 p.m. or, you know, before the 4 p.m. kickoff, and, and the 4 p.m. teams can uh, now change their mind on how they want to play their players. So most of these games are happening concurrently, uh, which means Seattle and Kansas City are both playing. I'm sorry, Seattle and Atlanta are both playing at the same time, and uh, both are playing to win. This this one could be tricky. When you look at the Patriots and the Dolphins, you may think that neither team has anything to play for because the Patriots seemingly have locked up the number one spot, and the Dolphins are slated to go to uh, to be the sixth seed in the AFC. However, the Patriots, there's a scenario where they don't get the number one seed if they lose and Oakland wins. And then with Miami, as I just mentioned, John, they could swap places with Kansas City if Kansas City loses and the Dolphins pull off the upset. Yeah, I think they both are trying to win this game. I like uh, Bill Belichick's uh, quote there uh, when asked about resting starters. He says, I don't understand that question. I don't know how many starters we have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I don't see them. I mean, they, if, if they lose and Oakland wins, then Oakland gets the number one seed. Is that is that the scenario? That's the scenario. If the pay, I, so, if the Patriots, yeah, if the Patriots lose and Oakland wins, I believe Oakland moves up. So I mean, I think the Patriots are going to go out there and try to beat Miami. Period. Sure. 
<laughs> and then, and then I don't know if you uh, if you have anything more to add to this Oakland Denver matchup. Denver's out. Oakland, we just discussed them a little bit. Yeah, Oakland's got Matt McGloin uh, playing, but they're going to continue to try to uh, improve their playoff positioning and get that first round by and and all that, and give themselves the best opportunity to move on in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, all the teams that we've talked about here in terms of the playoff teams are all pretty motivated. So let's talk about some that aren't so motivated. Sure. All right. We'll go through, go through some non-motivated. How about Houston, Pittsburgh, and Dallas? Do you want to spend some time talking about those teams? Yeah, these are these are the examples of those teams that are uh, have their spot locked up and really have nothing to play for. So Lamar Miller for Texans, I'm expecting him to be out. I don't know how much DeAndre Hopkins will play, uh, you know, for for the Texans either. So you know, I'd be leery about using them. Uh, the Steelers have already come out and said they're going to rest Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, so we'll talk about some other plays in the, in that game because it's such a good matchup against the Browns that from a DFS standpoint or even in a championship game standpoint, there's some opportunity there to, to capitalize. And then the Cowboys, uh, I don't think they're going to play their starters very long. It sounds like uh, Mark Sanchez and Tony Romo will get some playing time behind Dak Prescott. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott may play a, a series or two or maybe a quarter, and then they're going to get uh, Darren McFadden uh, significant touches there. So I have McFadden ranked ahead of Ezekiel Elliott this week. And then, uh, you know, you don't know how much Des Bryant's going to play either. Uh, probably not that much. And then the Giants, who are pretty much locked into their spot, uh, the only motivation they might have uh, is to knock the Redskins out of the playoffs. Um, so you wonder how they're going to balance their need for rest or desire for rest uh, versus trying to knock a division rival out of the out of the playoff hunt. Yeah, the Giants won. That, that one's the most interesting to me because Ben McAdoo has alluded to how they're going to play the game to win, but they could still try to try to win game uh, win the game with Eli Manning and Odell Beckham standing on the sidelines. So there seems to be a little gamemanship going on uh, with the Giants and the, the the Redskins. I would imagine that the Giants will either rest their starters right from the get go, or they'll they'll pull Eli Manning and company early. Yeah, so it makes it a really dicey situation if you're trying to use these use these players uh, in DFS or or in your t- in your championship game. It's hard to sit Odell Beckham. Um, in your title game, but uh, you know that's why you don't play uh, in title games there in week seventeen. <laughs> Let's, yeah, no kidding. Uh, they, and people are always you're always reminded of this too, John. But I feel like people still d- decide to do their fantasy leagues championship games in week seventeen. So you go through all this, you have an opportunity to win some some decent money in some cases, and you got to worry about certain players not playing because their their teams are out of it or have already locked up uh, playoff positioning. Let's let's go through the QB rankings. We'll talk about a few players that are ranked a little higher than usual. We'll throw out two quarterbacks. John, talk to me about Blake Bortles and Landry Jones. Yeah, Bortles. Uh, you know, I had my my uh, now infamous Bortles stack last week with uh, Allen Robinson and uh, Marquise Lee. I, I tweeted out earlier in the week, like who's up for the stack. Like I was kind of joking around with it, but it, it does. The, the fundamentals were pretty strong there, given the the matchup with the. With the Titans, um, their 32nd adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, Bortles ended up with 325 yards passing, a, t- a passing touchdown. Uh, and then he also had a, a touchdown reception for Marquise Lee, so that helped my stack as well. Um, I think you're looking at uh, a pretty good matchup with the Colts. The Colts are uh, out of the playoff hunt. You wonder how... Um, how uh, 
into the game they're going to be, but the game is in Indianapolis, so it's indoors, so weather's not going to be an issue at all. Uh, I think this will be a, a fairly high-scoring game. I think you could see Bortles putting up another pretty good fantasy line like he had from weeks uh, 8 uh, through week 12 where he had multi-touchdowns in, in five straight games. Let's go through a bunch of running backs that you have listed, including... Oh, sorry, I didn't answer about Landry, Landry Jones. Oh, sorry about sorry. that. No, it's um, okay. No, I, uh, you asked about two, and I didn't only answer one. Landry Jones, the, the, the nice thing here is that he does have some experience uh, filling in for Ben Roethlisberger. He's had some decent games uh, in that respect. He had uh, 281 yards passing and a touchdown against New England uh, week seven. Um, and he's got just a, a fantastic matchup against the Browns. The game's at home. You, you know, you're not going to have Antonio Brown out there uh, very likely. Uh, but you know, there's a, there's enough there in the receiving core with uh, Eli Rogers and Kobe Hamilton and maybe Sammy Coates, uh, you know, running out there uh, to to move the ball on, the, on a bad defense. So Landry Jones is probably a you know at the DFS sites he's probably a minute minimum price option, uh, and he's not a bad play right now with uh, with this matchup. All right, we'll go on. We'll talk a little bit about the running backs now. Below Powell, he's actually questionable with illness, and then he is also di- uh, battling a knee injury, but. With Matt Forte out again, Powell Powell's going to be the the number one back for the Jets this weekend against the Buffalo. Yeah, it looks like Brandon Wilds is the backup, and he's got a hamstring injury, so we just you know don't know how healthy this backfield is. But it looks like Powell, the main thing that they're putting him on the injury report for is is illness. So I expect him to he's probably got a cold like we do, and <laughs> I expect him to be out there with a heavy with a heavy workload. If if the knee is an issue, I have to look at the injury report today. Uh, then you might see more Brandon Wilds, but. Um, you know, Powell has dominated the touches there uh, with Matt Forte out, and I expect that to, to continue. You know, if we're doing this podcast, the least he can do is go out there and play in yeah. an NFL game. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> Lamar Miller, he missed practice again on Friday. Looks like he's going to be out with an ankle injury. You list Alfred Blue against the Titans. A pretty good matchup. Yeah, I think in last week's podcast, we were we were, we were were didn't know for sure what the, the Texans were going to do because Blue wasn't really playing directly behind Miller, uh, when Miller was playing, and we were seeing some uh, Akeem Hunt and Jonathan Grimes getting touches. But then last week, uh, 21 carries for 73 yards and a touchdown for Blue. His typical 3.5 yards per uh, carry. Also had the four uh, catches for 17 yards. But you know, in, in a matchup uh, with the with the Titans, who are 19th and adjusted fantasy points allowed uh, to running backs, uh, you know, you're expecting another 20 to 25 uh, touches for, for Blue. It's a you know, he's going to be a pretty good play this week. A couple of nights ago, it was announced that the NFL has suspended Buccaneers running back Doug Martin four games for violating the league's uh, policy on performance-enhancing drugs. They updated their report. Uh, Pro Football Talk said that he tested positive for Adderall. So he's he's done now, and it sheds some light on why he was inactive last, last week. Is Jaquiz Rogers the back to own in fantasy? Yeah, Charles Sims was... Not all that involved last week. Uh, I thought it would be, you know, Sims was playing ahead of Rodgers um, since his, since he returned from injury. But then last week, they just basically handed the keys over to Rodgers. He had 15 carries, 65, 63 yards, and a touchdown against New Orleans. He also had two catches for 15 yards. They just put Sims on injured reserve, so he's out for this game uh, as well. So this is looking like it's going to be uh, Peyton Barber as the backup to Jaquiz Rodgers. And when Rodgers was... Uh, the starter earlier in the year uh, with Martin uh, sidelined, uh, he had 30 carries for 101 yards against Carolina. Uh, you know, obviously not great efficiency there, but he, he ended up with 129 total yards against the Panthers in week five. Uh, he had 154 yards 
uh, rushing against the 49ers in week seven. He had 69 yards and a touchdown uh, against Oakland in week eight. So he's got 35 touch upside. Uh, I don't think we'll, we're going to see that, but I think we can, we can bet pretty hard that he's going to get 15 to uh, 20 touches at least in this game against Carolina. With Le'Veon Bell likely to be, well, he no, not, not likely. He will be held out for the Steelers' final game. D'Angelo Williams uh, would make for an attractive DFS play. Yeah, the issue with, with Williams is that he's been dealing with uh, a knee injury and really has, I mean, he played last week for the first time in a while and he only, I mean, he only got one or two touches. Um, he actually got no touches. He played one or two snaps. That was what I was seeing earlier in the day. So, you know, what is his level of involvement? How healthy is that knee? Uh, ESPN Steelers reporter Jeremy Fowler, uh, Fowler said today that he sh- could see a healthy workload. Uh, against the Browns, if that's the case, that's a really, you know, he's obviously a top five back when uh, Le'Veon Bell is, has been sidelined, but one wonders how healthy he is and are they really willing to give him 20, 25 touches uh, when he's coming off this knee injury or are they going to uh, lean more on Fitzgerald Toussaint uh, as the, the primary back or at least a committee back? Uh, I'm leaning towards the latter. I don't, I don't have Williams as my top five just due to that, due to that knee injury. I'm interested to hear your your next uh, thought on this. So you have Devontae Freeman and and Tevin Coleman in among our notes, and you've got home and away splits. What's is there a, is there a discrepancy? Yeah, this is something that I think Evan Silva pointed out in his uh, matchups column that he writes every week, and uh, it, it started to emerge this year where you you look at Devonta Freeman at home and he's averaging 20.4 PPR fantasy points per game. He's got 1.3 rushing touchdowns per game at home. Uh, compared to 14.3 PPR fantasy points on the road, 0.12 rushing touchdowns on the road. Then you go look at Tevin Coleman, um, and basically it's flipped. He's averaging 10 points at home PPR, 19.3 on the road, uh, one uh, rushing touchdown on the road, 0.33 rushing touchdowns at home. He's also got one, uh, 0.33 uh, receiving touchdowns on the road, uh, a little bit more targeted. But it's more just, uh, you know, it's not more... Uh, higher targets or a much bigger number of carries for Coleman. Uh, it's just much higher efficiency. So it might just be a matchup situation uh, where things have worked out better on the road uh, for, for uh, Freeman. His carries are about the same 14 carries uh, at home on the road, his targets uh, 4.1 at home, uh, 3.9 on the road. Uh, so similarly, it's just, uh, he's finding the end zone uh, and being more effective at home. I, you know, I don't know if that's uh, uh, you know, something that they're planning to give him more carries uh, inside in the red zone or inside the five when he's at home, but he's been uh, much more productive uh, running the football uh, for, for scores. Uh, I think this is, I have him at three this week. I think it's a good week. If you're going to use um, uh, a Falcons running back, I have them both ranked pretty high, but Freeman uh, is the better one in my, in my opinion. Adrian Peterson did not practice on Friday. He's dealing with both knee and groin injuries. Doesn't look like he's going to play against the Bears. Is Jarek McKinnon worth a start? Yeah, he's been uh, coming on lately. The, the Bears are 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running back, so that's good. Uh, you look at uh, you look at McKinnon's usage, uh, especially in the passing game over the last five weeks. Three catches for 45 yards against Detroit, five for 14, and a touchdown against Dallas. 6-for-38 against Jacksonville, 9-for-59 against Indianapolis, 5-for-35 against Green Bay. So, uh, you know, you're looking at a minimum of three catches there, maximum of nine. Uh, he's averaging, I don't know, five-something over that game, five-something catches over that, that five-game 
uh, period. And plus he's getting nine to uh, 14 uh, carries as well. The one uh, low carry game was against Indianapolis when Adrian Peterson made his brief return. He had uh, McKinnon had three catches or three carries for 12 yards, but he had nine catches for 59 uh, in that game as a receiver. So I think uh, full point PPR leagues, he's a top 10, top 12 play this week. Uh, in DraftKings, where they do full point PPR, I think he's a really nice play at his price price level, uh, especially given the matchup. You mentioned Darren Darren McFadden earlier. Now he missed practice on Friday with an illness. Any concern there? Uh, illnesses they tend to clear up by uh, game time, and they don't usually hold people out unless it's a sickle cell trait that we've been seeing uh, out of uh, John Brown and Ty Montgomery in the past. But uh, McFadden had 14 carries for 49 yards. Uh, last week as they kind of put uh, Ezekiel Elliott on ice in that game. And I would expect a similar 14 to 20 uh, carry workload for him this week. Ron, you got Ronnie Hillman ranked a little higher. Um, and that, that would certainly make sense with how banged up the Chargers are at running back. Yeah, I don't. I'm not, I have to double check all the Gordon status. But last I saw he was out. Uh, if he remains sidelined, uh, Kenneth Farrow is, is out. Um, so you've got uh, Hillman is kind of the last man standing there, and, and the matchup isn't very good, but you could probably expect, uh, if both Gordon and Farrow are out, you could probably expect 15 to 20 touches total for, for Hillman. And then the only other running back that you have maybe a little higher than normal, which makes sense with Carlos Hyde, uh, had dealing with a torn a- MCL is, is Shane Drone. Yeah, uh, Sean Drone is... Sean, uh, Sean Drone, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, it's, it's week 17. Uh, He had 10 carries uh, for only 17 yards last week, but um, he had the six catches for 48 yards. So again, he's when when Hyde's out, he's he's very active in the passing game. And I think at full point PPR uh, at DraftKings, uh, I think it's half point at uh, FanDuel, uh, pretty good value, uh, minimum price type player or close to minimum. Uh, The matchup is not good against Seattle and Seattle needs this game. Uh, but if you if you're looking at this game as a likely the likelihood that Seattle jumps out to a lead, which is very likely, uh, then you're expecting more pass attempts than than usual out of the 49ers, and that will uh, lead to more catches for for drone. We'll get to the wide receivers and tight ends in a second, but I want to remind listeners that early bird pricing for four for four subscriptions is now available. You can get a 2017 classic subscription for $24 and your subscription will start immediately. So you'll have access to four for four tools throughout the playoffs, which is nice. The same goes for the $49 pro subscription, which will include league sync in 2017, along with unlimited draft analyzer access and the $79 DFS subscription. This will be the lowest pricing available through week one of the 2017 season, so don't miss out. I have a tendency to procrastinate a lot, John, uh, but don't be a procrastinator here. This this is the lowest price that you're going to get on any any subscription for 444.com. A lot of good values there. Absolutely, and you, you ran down... Uh the benefits of them. Uh, the league sync's really interesting because it'll highlight the players that are available in your league. Uh, it'll highlight your uh, your players in your rankings, so you can kind of you can quickly see in the flex rankings who to start. You know, to search around, try to find them, and then you can also find players that are on the waiver wire that might be uh, ranked a little bit higher this in, a, in any given in any given week. So uh, it's a real good value. And then the DFS uh, tools are amazing. I've been using the the, the the lineup optimizer just to do cash lineups and have had a very productive uh, uh, year. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a user of that as well. And 
you know, they, they've got, they use my projections in order to get these, uh, the best values of each week. And then they can give you, give you lineups. So there's really not a whole lot of work you have to do. And if you want to get into GPPs, uh, and get your, uh, quarterback stacks and stuff going, we have stack reports, uh, available there that show the best value, uh, stacks as well. And I've been using those in my, uh, contests with some success. So, uh, a lot of good tools at four for four, not just, uh, my rankings, but, uh, Josh Moore and, uh, uh Chris Raybon and TJ Hernandez have done a great job of, of expanding the DFS side as well. All right, let's get to some wide receivers that you have ranked a little higher than normal uh, due to Week 17 circumstances. How about Adam Thielen? He caught 12 of 15 targets for 202 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings' Week 16 loss to the Packers. I imagine you could just uh, pencil him right in for that same stat line this week, right, John? Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I was thinking about ranking him one la- overall one receiver last <laughs> week, and I, I probably should have. I probably would have finished in the top five. Uh, but, uh, I did have him a little high, but I should have had him much higher. I mean, the, the Packers, uh, defense was not real good. And then I think he was, people were sleeping on him a little bit because he had the neck injury the previous game and had the goose egg in, against Indianapolis. And if you don't look into what caused the goose egg and you saw that his snaps were at 31% knocked out of that game, uh, and then he's back practicing and he's fine for week 16, uh, you might rank him a little lower than you should. Um, with Stefan Diggs out, it looks like he's going to be out. You've got the Bears coming in uh, for Week 17, and, and Thielen, I would expect him to see another eight to ten targets minimum. Uh, he has multi. I mean, he has 15 target upside as you saw last week. Uh, he has surpassed uh, 86 yards receiving in three of the last four games. He's got uh, four touchdowns in his last uh, six games, seven games. So uh, he's been highly productive for them, and uh, you know. I think he's a he's a solid play this week. I, I've got him ranked as a low end wide receiver one or high end wide receiver two, depending on the format. Brandon LaFell saw a lot of targets too. Tend to be exact. He caught six of those targets for 130 yards and a touchdown in the Week 16 loss against the Texans. And with AJ Green out, uh, do you like Brandon LaFell this week? Yeah, and the, the Ravens are 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Uh, Jimmy Smith's out with the high ankle sprain, so he's not a worry. I'm sorry, that was which. Who are they playing? Ravens? They're playing the Ravens. Uh, okay. So, yes. yeah, for some reason, I, I, my, my brain went to Steelers there. Um, it's all these AFC North teams. But uh, with Jimmy Smith out, uh, that's a good matchup for LaFell. Uh, he has 90, 90 yards or plus or more um, in three of the last four weeks. Um, he's seeing healthy targets, 19 targets in the last two weeks, as you mentioned, 10 last week. Uh, so I think he's definitely a better player than Tyler Boyd at this point. It looks like uh, Andy Dalton sort of settling on him uh, with with Green out and also Tyler Eifert out. How about Eli Rogers? He stands to benefit the most with Antonio Brown being out, correct? Yeah, uh, beat writer said today that he thought that he would get most of the most of the targets. We might see instead of his usual five per game, we might see eight to ten. Um, he had four catches for eighty four yards last week. He had five for seventy five and a touchdown. Uh, week 15 against Cincinnati. The only concern here is you you have the change of quarterbacks. So now you have Landry Jones in there instead of Ben Roethlisberger. And it's a lot of times when these uh, backup quarterbacks come in, they start targeting different people than the, the, the starter targeted. The example is Bryce Petty with uh, Robbie Anderson a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, so maybe there's a, a possibility that Landry Jones comes in, starts you know targeting uh, Kobe Hamilton 15 times. But I think I think Rogers uh, is the best bet to lead the team in targets and. Uh, he's a nice value uh, at DraftKings as well. Uh, I think I have him ranked in the 20s there. Uh, I think he's a pretty solid play. With Malcolm Mitchell likely out for the Patriots, 
Any value in Chris Hogan or Michael Floyd? Yeah, I would I would bet more on Hogan since he's been there longer and he's had more big games uh, with the Patriots this year. He had a couple quiet games against Denver and uh, the Jets, but he had uh, five catches for 129 yards and a touchdown against Baltimore in Week 14. He had four for 23 and a touchdown against the Rams in Week 13. He had four for 70 uh, against the Jets in Week 12. So with Mitchell out, I would expect his you know his snaps to to stay high. He's been he played 85 percent last week. I would expect that to be at that level or higher this week. Uh, Michael Floyd gets a bump, uh, but I, I just wonder how much uh, rapport he has with Tom Brady, how much trust is there. Uh, so I, I would go with Hogan over Floyd, but Floyd is certainly, uh, given his prices at the DFS sites uh, or his, his availability in the waiver wire, is a decent start as well. Let's hand out one more wide receiver and we'll, we'll get to some tight ends. What about Muhammad Sanu with Taylor Gabriel out battling a shoulder injury? Yeah, Sanu's targets have been down lately, 3-3 three, three, and 4 the last um, three weeks, but he's been pretty productive in those uh, targets. I mean, two catches, three catches, three catches. So it's there. Uh, he had Last time he was targeted heavily, he had eight catches for 65 yards on eight targets against uh, Arizona. And, you know, the matchup against the Saints is really good. So if, if Gabriel's out and that those five to seven targets are up for grabs, I think Sanu gets some of those uh, and has a pretty good game, which should be a pretty high-scoring game. Let's do some tight ends now. What do you like about Charles Clay in Week 17? Well, he's uh, you know playing better over the last few weeks. Uh, he had no touchdowns through Week 12, Week 13 actually, which he sat out and then came back after sitting out and has uh, three catches for 52 yards and a touchdown against Pittsburgh, three, seven for 72 and a touchdown against Cleveland, and eight for 85 and two touchdowns against Miami on 10 targets. Uh, we have a quarterback change, which we'll talk to talk about in a minute. Um, in Buffalo, so that's a little bit dicey. So I looked up uh, Clay's splits with and without EJ Manuel, and uh, in eight games with EJ Manuel, Clay has averaged eleven point three PPR fantasy points. Uh, with without Manuel, nine nine point zero five PPR fantasy points. So he's a little bit better with Manuel. Targets are seven point five with Manuel versus five point five without. Uh, so you know he's been hot, and uh, I think. Uh, that should continue this week, uh, you know, with Emmanuel back under center. Uh, your favorite tight end in the, in the world, Jared Cook. You you like him a little bit more in week seventeen than you have in your in weeks past. Yeah, I would say it's a tie in terms of favorite tight end in the world between Jared Cook and Jermaine Gresham. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Jared Cook is pretty involved uh, lately. Uh, so he's he played sixty five percent of the snaps against Chicago. Had six catches for eighty five yards and eight targets. Uh, that was two weeks ago, and against Minnesota last week, he had five targets, six, uh, 59% uh, of the snaps. I think this is a game where he could uh, be more involved uh, because uh, the, the, the Packers, I think, are, are pretty hot offense right now, and I think they're they're going to look to exploit um, every matchup that they can, and they, they may uh, kind of unleash Cook on the, in this game. Uh, unleashing Cook is a, be a good name for a, a band. Or a website, if you want to go out there and, and make some money, uh, but it's just one of those. It's just one of those plays that uh, you know the team's motivated. They need him, uh, and he should be out there. Last time they played Detroit, he only played twenty six percent of the snaps because uh, I think that was a game where he got injured. Um, but he was kind of trending up uh, at that point as well. Um, so just given his ability and uh, quality of the quarterback play right now, I think he's a decent play. And then how about say Ty, Ty, uh, Tyrod Taylor? We'll talk a little bit about him. Uh, the Bills have decided to sit him. He reportedly needs 
uh, hernia surgery. So with him guaranteed $30.75 million, if he can't pass a physical, there's no sense in in risking Tyrod Taylor. I think uh, that was part of the part of the reason why the Bills decided to move on from Rex Ryan now as opposed to wait to Black Monday because he might decide, hey, I'm still trying to win a ball game here and use Tyrod Taylor over E.J. Manuel. So the Bills go ahead, they fire him, and then they, they bench Tyrod Taylor, and now it's revealed that he needs her- hernia surgery. This, to me, John, is another reason why you can't have a prearranged marriage between your head coach and GM because it always sounds like Doug Whaley, who's been an E.J. Manuel guy, and Rex Ryan, who's been a Tyrod Taylor guy, have been at odds over the last two years now, and it probably led to Rex Ryan being fired. So uh makes sense, I guess, for the Bills to move on from him. Although if they if Doug Whaley and the Bills think that E.J. Manuel is the answer, they're gonna have they're gonna have bigger bigger problems on their hands. I mean, do you think that this is a uh, that Tyrod Taylor is not uh, a, a I don't know a quarterback that you could build your franchise around, or do you think? Because I'm just kind of confused. Starter. I look at the numbers, I'm just kind of confused by all this. I think, think he's, he's a, a starter. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think he. I think he's an NFL starter. I mean, when you look at when you look at the league, and over half the league has question marks at, at quarterback, where you can say, okay, you know, it, we're looking to upgrade over the guy that we have in the off season. I think you can certainly win with Tyrod Taylor. The the statistic that, and I'd have to look at what it, what his his number is uh, this year, but the statistic that really surprised me a year ago was his yards per attempt average. Um, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, I've actually got some of that. So I, I wanted to, yeah. I, I tweeted out of the table that looked at uh, Tyrod Taylor and compared it to Russell Wilson because I, I noticed some of their stats were the same. And I was just looking at their age 26 and age 27 seasons. Uh, so for Taylor, that's the last two seasons. For Russell Wilson, that's not this season, but the previous two. And the, the, the numbers are kind of striking. If you just, if you leave Watkins' health, Sammy Watkins' health in the equation, uh, Wilson has. Uh, Taylor uh, on a yards per attempt basis, uh, 8.02 uh, to 7.36. Uh, you know, with Wilson playing 32 games, Taylor playing 28 games, um, which is okay. Uh, but if you like, if you look at the Buffalo receiving core, they they don't have a whole lot there after Watkins. So I just took if I took the games where Watkins was least in the lineup, there's 19 games. Uh, Taylor, uh, averaged 217 yards passing, uh, Wilson over his two last, those two years were, was at, uh, 234 yards passing. Uh, Wilson's completion percentage was 65.7%. Uh, Taylor with Watkins was 63.3%. Yards per attempt, 8.02, uh, for Wilson, 8.02 for Taylor. Uh, 1.69 touchdowns per game for Wilson, 1.47. Uh, for Taylor, uh, 0.47 interceptions per game for Wilson, 0.42 interceptions for Taylor, uh, TD percentage, 5.8% for Wilson, 5.4% for Taylor, interception percentage, 1.6% for, uh, Wilson, uh, 1.5% for, for Taylor. So they take care of the ball similarly, uh, rushing the ball, uh, Wilson, you know, he, he his, his rushes have gone down this year significantly, but the previous two seasons, 6.9, uh, carries for 43 yards. And 0.22 touchdowns. Taylor, meanwhile, uh, 6.7 carries for 36 yards and 0.26 touchdowns. So the numbers between these two are really similar. So I, I guess I'm interested to hear from the, I guess, with Buffalo fans, the guys that really grind the tape to tell me why, you know, Taylor isn't a poor man's Russell Wilson, because it just seems to me like if you have uh, a, a good receiving core, a pretty strong running game and a decent defense, uh, that you could definitely win with Tyrod Taylor. 
Certainly, and you look at you look at some of the other statistics. I mean, the fourth quarter, he's got six touchdowns and three interceptions. On third down, he's completing fifty five point nine percent of his passes, which uh, I don't know what the league average is, but but I would imagine it's right around there. So he passes he passes the numbers test. I think he passes the eye test as well in in, in several areas. I, I don't I don't understand why. You know the the Bills would feel better with uh, EJ Manuel or moving on from Tyrod Taylor. I think I think this kid can play. Now we can de- de- debate the merits of whether or not he's worth thirty one something million guaranteed. If he you know if he if he risks an in- it risks an injury, but otherwise, when uh, you know the, the Bryce Petties are starting and Ryan Fitzpatrick's are starting, certainly certainly the league has room for Tyrod Taylor. I'm I'm with you with that, yeah. John. Yeah, I don't know, you know, Gary Kubiak. I haven't looked at his, his, uh, why am I bringing up Gary Kubiak? Because they need a quarterback or they could use a quarterback. And, right. uh, that, that would be a great situation for, for, uh, for Tyrod Taylor. I mean, two great receivers, um, a pretty strong running game, or at least a coach that has had strong running games in the past. I'm sure Taylor would help. His legs would help in that area. Uh, and then a, a really strong defense. I think that would be an ideal landing spot for him. I'm not sure that they can make that happen. Um, but I'm very interested to see where Tyrod Taylor lands this year. You know, he probably will end up with one of these really, really bad teams, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but from a fantasy standpoint, uh, you know, I was really excited about drafting him prior to the Sammy Watkins injury. If he lands anywhere with a decent receiving core um, and, and, and looks like he'll be the starter, then I'll be drafting him a lot uh, in 2017. Let's put it this way. Uh, you know, with the, with the Broncos, they were serious – about acquiring Colin Kaepernick before the start of yeah. the season. Like you mentioned, if, if Denver has Tyrod Taylor, I would think he would, he'd be, he'd be worth another win or two. And, and now we're looking at Denver as a six seed instead of maybe Miami or, you know, the two or three more wins, I guess I should say. But yeah, ultimately it will be interesting to see where he winds up and, and the league is always looking for quarterbacks. I'd rather roll the dice on Tyrod Taylor than Mike Lennon. And, I'm, and that's no knock on Mike Mike Glennon. I think that he was a decent prospect coming out a couple of years ago, but he he hasn't played. And they're they're talking about him potentially making fifteen or seventeen million dollars on the open market. That seems yeah. absurd. Well, that's we'll what uh, Brock Osweiler, yeah, Brock Osweiler cashed right. in last last year, and we saw how that all worked out. So I, I mean, I'd rather go with the. I mean, I don't know. Taylor is able to kill you in multiple ways, and he throws a pretty good deep ball. I don't know, uh, you know, what throws he can't make. I'm not that in tune with. Uh, you know, quarterbacks' strengths and weaknesses, but you know, every time I see the kid, he's making highlights plays, and he's such a threat in the red zone. Run, run the ball in, and uh, I think his his threat of his leg has really helped help your running game. If you have a uh, a decent running back, that obviously helped uh, Lashawn McCoy this year. Uh, the, the team averaged over five yards per carry uh, lead, lead, the league's league. So um, I just I just, I'm just I'm surprised, surprised that the Bills are are moving on, moving on. Not just Bills kids. I think I think there's only so many so many. Certainly, yeah. Well said. There's only there's only five elite quarterbacks. That's why there's you know there's, there's always so many quarter so many teams searching for a QB to to be their franchise guy. And and you mentioned you know looking at the tape and stuff like that. Tyrod Taylor six one. So, so there's sometimes where you know he might get on the on his back foot and sail passes, what have you. But otherwise, I think I think he's got a good enough arm to to make all the make all the throws. So that's why I said he's a starter. You know, he's yeah. a, he's he's a serviceable starter. All right, that's all the time that we have for today. Good luck uh, if you are playing in any championship leagues this week. 
Good luck to you. Any DFS action, good luck as well. And and John and I will will uh, do. Are we doing a playoff podcast next week, John? Yeah, I think in a few. I think uh, we'll probably take a break here, and then we'll do a ra- uh, a fancy wrap up 2016 wrap up. Uh, we'll hand out some awards and talk about uh, draft strategy and, and how it changed based on what happened this year and and, and all that. Uh, maybe in a few weeks, we'll figure it out. It's amazing. Can't believe it's already week 17. It's over, man. Ah, jeez, another Cheers. another year gone by. Yep, absolutely. Well, happy New Year to you, John. Uh, be safe out there. Hope you hope you're feeling a little bit better in a couple of days, and we'll chat with you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, happy New Year to you and all the listeners out there. And, and for those of you that subscribe or support the podcast by listening, I really appreciate it. Uh, thankful to to be working in this profession. Profession. I'm sure Anthony would echo the, the sentiments that he's. Uh, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's, it's a fun job to have. And, uh, you know, Anthony gets to be on the radio as well on, on top of all this talking sports all day. So I, I'm sure you're, uh, you know, grateful at this time of year for being able to do what you love, right? Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. What's, what's the quote? Uh, you know, do something that you love. You'll never work a day in your life. That's, <laughs> that's absolutely how I feel. And I'm sure you feel the same way. So, uh, well said too, with thanking the listeners. We do appreciate it. I, I we we get we get feedback you know throughout the year and and I don't feel like the people are overly negative uh there there are some suggestions that we take to heart so if you got anything for us on Twitter we're always looking to improve the podcast um so we appreciate you listening and we've certainly grown over the last couple of years so thank you so much and uh John once again congratulations on on your ranking this is this is another year where you've proven that you're you're one of the tops in the industry and I I'm fortunate to to work alongside you on the podcast Oh, thanks. Thanks, Anthony. Have, have a great new, new year uh, and enjoy the baby. Yep. Thank you, my friend. All right, guys. Well, we'll uh, see you in a couple of weeks on the 444.com, the most accurate podcast. We'll see you. hell I'm going through. Whoa.